Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Dive, the podcast that says, who said business news needs to be all business? Globally, food producers are incredibly protective of their products and the history that surrounds them. That's why there's such specific rules around who can make a champagne instead of a sparkling wine or a bottle of burgundy instead of what's really just a light pinot. But it's one thing to want to call your produce by that name to get the accolades and another to fabricate its origin story. That's just fraud. So when we learned that Italy's renowned Parmigiano Reggiano, favoured for finishing off bowls of pasta and salads, it's one of the most counterfeited cheeses in the world. And as a solution, producers are turning to edible microchips. We knew we just had to know more about this. It's Friday, the 1st of September, and today I want to know, do I need to look out for microchips in my Parmesan? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder here at Equity Mates. It's Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome to the dive. Sasha, good to be here. Have you started double checking your pasta and making sure that you're not eating any microchips? Uh, look, I think I'm priced out of the uh Parmigiano Reggiano market to begin with. So no microchips so far in my pasta. Good to know. And yeah, we'll get to those prices in just a second. But let's start with the basic context. What is food fraud? So food fraud is when food or drink is sold in a way that deliberately misleads or deceives customers for financial gain. Uh, so in this case, the food fraud that we're talking about is food that is represented as being from a particular region or made in a particular way when in reality it isn't. Yeah, because as I said in my introduction, lots of people are probably familiar with the Europeans and their protection of the naming of food and drink like champagne versus sparkling wine. But this Parmesan story is a little bit different to that, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The The whole naming argument isn't so much fraud. It's more just who has the right to use a particular name, scotch whiskey, champagne, burgundy, or whatever it is. This is about producers deliberately mislabeling and representing that they are from a certain region to try and I guess, get more sales or, or get a higher price. To sort of draw that analogy out, let's use champagne as an example. Sparkling winemakers in Australia might gripe about the fact that they can't use the term champagne. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is sparkling winemakers, not obviously wouldn't come from Australia, but sparkling winemakers not from the region in France, saying that they are from the region in France and using the term champagne, if that distinction makes sense. And Alec, when we're talking about food products and country of origin, we really are zoning in on Europe here. They're particularly focused on this. 
Yeah, food authenticity is big business in Europe. In the European Union, more than 3,500 products have received protected status. And that's where the European Union has laws and they enforce those laws around, I guess, the proper naming of food. So in this instance, we're talking about Parmigiano-Reggiano, which is, I guess, a certain type of Parmesan created in a certain way. And we'll get to uh, the criteria because there is a bit of a criteria. Um, So that's Parmigiano-Reggiano and then everything else is just Parmesan. Or, you know, the the classic example in, in Scotland, if your whiskey is made in a certain way in Scotland, it's Scotch whiskey. If it's not it's just whiskey. So that's what we're talking about here. There are over 3,500 products in the EU with that kind of specific naming regulation. Greek feta cheese, French champagne, Italian parma ham, Parmigiano Reggiano cheese that we're talking about today, Portuguese port, Kalamata olive oil from Greece. The list is long and it is actually making me quite hungry. (laughs) It's also a massive market. These protected foods are worth about 80 billion euros annually, which is the equivalent to about 87 billion US dollars. But the market for fakes is also massive. Some estimates have put the market for knockoff products as about the same size as the originals. So you can understand why these producers take this challenge seriously. Mm. And we should be clear, this isn't just a European problem. It's a problem in Australia as well. Deakin University estimates that food and fibre fraud costs Australia's primary producers about $3 billion a year. It's fascinating to me, Alec. I had no idea that the fraud part of this was such a big conversation. But this story popped up. We're going to get to the cheese element of this story now because this is specifically about how the producers of Parmesan cheese are fighting this problem. That's right. Italian producers of Parmesan cheese and uh, the particular Parmigiano-Reggiano subsect have been fighting imitators for years, almost a century in fact. The Parmigiano-Reggiano Consortium, the PRC, was founded in 1928 and they're an association that have been trying to fight off cheap imitators that do not follow their exacting requirements to make the real Parmigiano-Reggiano. They've used the police, they've used food specialists, internet sleuths, and an ungodly amount of lawsuits <laughs> to protect their cheese wheels. And, you know, it's it's not just food fraud that they're dealing with. This cheese is so valuable that for years they've also battled thieves who in the dead of night break into warehouses and steal highly valuable wheels of Parmigiano-Reggiano. Como es el Parmigiano-Reggiano. I mean, champagne's one thing, but Parmesan cheese. I mean, have you seen the size of these wheels? To run away with one of those in the middle of the night, you have to be pretty strong. (laughs) They're Mm. massive. Yeah, but they're valuable. So Parmigiano-Reggiano in some cases can cost more than €1,000 per wheel. Wow. So it is big business. The market for this cheese globally is estimated to be €2.9 a year. The market for counterfeit Parmigiano-Reggiano is estimated to be about 1.6 billion euros a year. That's not far off. (laughs) No, no. But Sasha, we said we would talk about the specific requirements to make Parmigiano-Reggiano. Here's what you need to do. needs to be made in a small region in northern Italy, including the provinces of Parma 
and Reggio Emilia. The cheese must have matured for at least 12 months in a mountain area. Don't give me any of that at sea level maturing. (laughs) And then after two years, they are tested to make sure they reach the specific grade that's required. So they're they're the requirements that you need to be... uh, the top echelon of the cheese market, I guess. Um, Alec, is now the time to reveal I've actually toured a Parmigiano Reggiano factory in Parma and sampled it and seen all of those stages of process and I can say it's pretty intense. <laughs> wow. Well, that intensity is what really leads to the news story today and while we're talking about it. We've got some extreme examples that producers are going to for other products even before they've reached these microchips. But let's talk about that in just a minute. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to The Dive. Today, we're talking about food fraud and how the makers of Parmesan cheese are turning to edible microchips to save their product. But Alec, you've promised me some other examples of extreme lengths producers are willing to go to. Yeah, so the news story that we're talking about today is microchips, but it's not like these producers have a jumping straight to this new technology. They try everything, I guess, to have ways for buyers to authenticate that this product is real and to root out food fraud. So some of the examples that we've come across, wineries, you know, there's basic ones, there's serial numbers and QR codes, but they're quite easily replicated by fraudsters. Mm -hmm. A winery used invisible ink to, you know, have a way to authenticate that it was real. I thought that was quite novel. It's pretty cool. It's pretty kitsch. Yeah, spy movie-esque. A number of producers have used holograms. So in the same way that, you know, Australian banknotes have holograms and you can authenticate that they're real that way, uh, a number of winemakers have done the same thing. Producers in Switzerland have gone a step further. They do DNA fingerprinting of milk bacteria to identify cheese. So you're actually going down to like the DNA level to make sure what you're buying is authentic. I mentioned QR codes before. A number of food producers are now printing the QR codes on their food. So you can actually buy uh, prosciutto from Italian producers that has the QR code, I guess, on it. Pull out your smartphone, scan the QR code, and you can get information on where the prosciutto came from, how long it's been aged, when it was sliced. So, Sasha, long story short, these producers sort of go, are willing to try anything in their fight against food fraudsters. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I care enough to be scanning something on my phone and finding out the history, but I don't want to diminish the importance of them fighting the fraud on their products. Let's get into the specifics about what's happening with Parmesan cheese at the moment. Yeah. So they've tried everything to protect their cheese and the latest move in the fight against food fraud is edible microchips. 
But Alec, look, I've eaten a lot of cheese in my time. Can't say I've eaten a lot of microchips. How is this exactly going to work? Yeah, well, you wouldn't know because the microchips are the size of a grain of sand. So the Parmigiano wheels have a casein protein label and a robot heats this label up and they insert the chip on top of it. And then as the cheese hardens, the microchip is in the label. Then when a cheese buyer uh, or cheese authenticator wants to confirm it's the real deal, they use a handheld reader and they can collect the data from the chip in the cheese. I guess the analogy is like when you microchip your pet. Okay. <laughs> and that, that's how they verify the authenticity of real Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese. <laughs> My pet wheel of cheese. Are they safe for human consumption if I'm eating, you know... I can't say that I can because I've seen these giant wheels, but if I happen to eat several of these microchips, is that going to be okay? Yeah, so they've been tested and in the testing, uh, chips sat for three weeks in a mock-up of stomach acid uh, without leaking any dangerous materials, so that's good. One of the workers for the company went a step further and just ate a microchip. (laughs) He was all good, so (laughs) (laughs) there's the official testing and then the unofficial testing, I guess, here, Sasha. And to throw another random connection in here, somehow this also involves the blockchain. Yeah, I know. it's. It feels <laughs> like it's an unnecessary step. But um, uh, look, one of the use cases of blockchain technology that is quite interesting is supply chain management and in this case, authenticating um, thing like food as it moves through a supply chain and then uh, having a decentralized database where you can collect and check that data that can't be then manipulated by one sort of central authority or anything like that, that it's public, anyone can check it. So it is actually an interesting use case for blockchain technology. But, you know, any cutting edge story, you've got to find a way to to get blockchain in there. (laughs) Crypto always finds a way. But these chips aren't just being used to validate cheese as well. There's other uses. Yeah, that's right. They're being used to authenticate a number of uh, different things. In the automotive industry, these chips are being tested to guarantee the authenticity of car parts. They're also being tested on livestock, crops and medicine. So again, the logic is the same regardless of what product you're talking about. How can I quickly and easily authenticate that the product I'm being sold is from, you know, the origin that it says it was. It was grown on the farm that people said it was or, you know, it was stored or transported in the way that people said it was. And using this microchips, collecting the data on the blockchain and then having that publicly accessible for anyone that wants to check it is an interesting solution for this. Well, Alec, I think, you know, like any luxury product or any hard to find product, it's always fascinating to see what people are doing to kind of stop it being copied. We might leave it there for today, but just a quick favor from us, please leave us a review and give us a five-star rating in whatever podcast player you use. If you haven't, it really helps us climb all the different algorithms and get served to more listeners. We're going to be back in your feed on Monday. Thanks so much, Alec, for joining me on The Dive today. Sasha, good to be with you. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
we pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.